When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. life accomplishments include being a two-time conference champion, creator of the Ode to the Walk-On, business mogul, and every Cougar fan's favorite weekday sports radio host. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle, right here on ESPN 960. Welcome back, Cougar Sports, ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from Chubby's Cafe, chubbyscafeut.com. We'd love to see you. Stop in, say hello. Got some delicious, uh, delectable hamburgers for you here at Chubby's. Gurney's been eating his beer-battered fries. Yeah, can we, can we, like, extend the break? I tried to eat them as fast as possible, <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't finish all of them, and I want to eat them really bad, uh, really bad right now. Yeah, I would love for you but to But I eat. have responsibilities. You Crew, do have responsibilities. Do. He's been giving some fantastic takes today. Love it when uh, G-Man's bringing his A-game and appreciate him being here. Uh, to break it all down for you. It is time to get to know the foe. You heard the Utah State Aggies fight song, and so we're going to get to know the foe in this segment. Going to be brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram here in Provo. All those vehicles can be driven by you. Talk to Curtis Grieve, the GM, uh, the general manager down there at uh, Larry H. Miller, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram, wants to give you the best deals on all those vehicles. Uh, new or used vehicles, uh, whether it's 2125 North University Parkway there at the Provo Auto Mall or 1825 North University Parkway at any one of their dealerships, talk to Curtis Grieve. He'll get you that ESPN 960 discount and premier service that you're looking for. All right, so. Let's get to know the foe and get to know what's going down in Cache Valley with Jacob Nielsen, Aggie beat writer for KSL.com. What's up, Jacob? Nothing much. Good. Good. Good to hear from you guys. Hey, man. It's great to hear from you as well. Thanks for hopping on to give us a, a breakdown of, of Aggie football. So uh, I don't know what's happening right now, but I've never seen uh, in the last decade plus, we have not seen an Aggie football team struggle as much as this Aggie football team. It did remind me of the Aggie football team that I played against at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 2006. Just just not very talented, not well coached, uh, was trying to figure themselves out. It was a blowout game. Uh, they were outmatched, outplayed, outcoached in every way. And it seems like this team, I'm hoping it's better. I, I, I think it's better from a talent standpoint, but the productivity the uh, uh, the execution just hasn't been there. What's going on up there with the Aggies? No, it's uh, it's been a real shocker for I think uh, everybody in Cash Valley. I I legitimately the the coaching staff believe that this was going to be another really good team. The players believed it. The fans believed it. We believed it as the media, right? And it just uh, hasn't come to fruition like that. And more so than that, it's it's bad. Like I mean. You lose 35-7 to Weber State. That's uh, pretty unacceptable, but that's kind of what's been happening. So there's so many different factors, and obviously the biggest issue is with the with the offense and just how poor the offense has been this year. Because the defense, they've had some poor showings, but 
we've seen uh, a little bit of improvement with the defense as the weeks have gone on. And the UNLV game, they actually performed decently well. But it's just the offense is, uh, is, just, is so bad. And so you got to look at um, some of the, the turnover in the roster. And I think a lot of them made of the transfers, right? That was a big deal when Blake Anderson got here. He brought in all these chances and stuff. But I, as important as that is, I think it's been blown a little bit out of proportion because some of the guys that were the best players on the offense last year that are gone weren't chances. They were guys that had been around for the Gary Anderson years. And that was Devin Thompson, Derek Wright, and then uh, Demetrius Aliafua on the offensive line. And those are three guys that are really, really being missed right now. And they weren't guys that Blake Anderson brought in and changed the program. They were guys that were already in there and were developing. And not having them, especially Kevin Tompkins and Derek Wright, guys that can beat off the back of uh, the safeties and the defense and really open the field. Not having them has um, been, been a big problem. And obviously, you can see Bonner and his issues, whether it's ACL health issues or confidence issues or whatever is going on there. We've heard plenty of different things. It's just, uh, it's just been kind of a mess so far. Well, looking at the schedule, uh, UConn, you, you beat UConn. UConn's not very good, obviously. Alabama, 55 nothing. you write that off. Everyone has to write that off. It's freaking <laughs> Alabama. But the Weber State game, was that a, how big of a shock was that to the system? And I, and I do believe after the bye week, and it looks like uh, Utah State was able to play UNLV top. UNLV's obviously not a great football team. But do you think this team might be figuring out some things after that shocking loss to Weber State that it can carry over and maybe see a little bit of progression uh, come Thursday night against BYU? Yeah, I think that the biggest development in the bye week was more of the, just the, the energy and passion. And these are things that I love talking about because you guys know when you're talking to talking to football guys, the players and coaches, they're not going to give you the real X's and O's issues. They're not going to give you the full answers in certain regards. So we'll talk about culture and stuff like that. But there definitely was an issue with the, with the energy and excitement coming off the Alabama game going into the Weber State game. Because Alabama or not, when you get kicked down 55-0 to zero by a bunch of other guys, that, that takes a hit on your morale. And this is a team that going into that Alabama game, they want to know, they still think that the same team that won the Mountain West Championship. And so they, that week before we were State was notably the practice. They, they went really poor. The energy was low. And you consider how great State Hill's defense is and how bad we were State wanted to get that win and how ready they were. Uh, it was the perfect formula for, for failure and then because obviously the Wildcats just dominated that game. So I think that during the bye week, uh, there was a little bit of a little bit more of a spark, a little bit of energy. And we've seen with other programs, especially Boise State after the UTEP loss, we've seen and how their quarterback transferred. We've seen how maybe adversity can result in teams kind of crumbling a little bit. And I, but the best thing is after the Weber State game, I think the team really came together. There was a players-only meeting. And we saw in the ULB game a team that was more energetic, more passionate when Senna Kuriaki the back of defensive tackle when he was injured. He broke his ankles, going to be out for the season. The entire team ran onto the field to form him and support him. And if anything, if you're going to look at any positive so far this season, this is a team that has divided itself between the coaching staff. This is a team that still loves each other and supports each other. And there's a myriad of other issues that we saw at UNLV, discipline, penalties, poor execution, maybe a lack of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
but this isn't a team that has given up on itself, similar to, I would argue, the, the 2020 team did with uh, the COVID season. So that's the biggest benefit, that, that the positive that we've seen is they actually did battle in that UNLV game. They didn't roll over. They just made a ton of mistakes and ran into a team that just might have been more talented with them, which isn't saying much as UNLV, but it might have been a reality. Jacob Nielsen, Aggie beat writer for KSL.com. KSL.com is where you can find all of his uh, all of his musings, all of his reports. Jacob, I don't know if you're on a Bluetooth or if you're on speaker, um, but you sound a little bit muffled. I don't know if you can readjust or anything like that, but it, it, your voice sound, it sounded a bit muffled on our airwaves. But uh, we're getting to know the foe here on ESPN 960, and getting to know the foe is brought to you by LHM Chevrolet, LHM Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. Jacob, what is it that the Aggies really do well thus far this season? Hey, well, I mean, it's, this has been a continual problem with the, the sign, and it's got to be up in Cash Valley, you know. Sometimes the telephone service doesn't totally get out here very well. But I moved rooms. I'm hoping can you guys hear me any better. Um, yeah, we can hear you better. It sounds good. Perfect. Remind me, remind me of that follow-up question. Yeah, so the follow-up question, what is it that the Aggies are actually doing well this season? Like, where is it that they, 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 they can build off something right now? So I think um, where they're doing well is on the defensive side of the ball in terms of the rush defense. That's been a major positive. It started out poorly against UConn. They gave up a lot of yardage. But the biggest benefit was in that UNLV game, they held a Rebels team that had rushed for over 400 yards against North Texas the week prior. They held them to two and a half yards per rush. And that was with a, a depleted defensive front. They're missing several guys to season-ending injuries like Benny Tuiaki and, and Phil Paella and uh, Pukesi Bakuata. He's a starter. He missed games prior to the season and was just kind of getting back into it. So the fact that they're not at full strength and they were able to hold their own in the trenches defensively and stop a UNLV rushing attack, that was actually a big positive. And so that's something going into this week that they're hoping that with BYU obviously not having an established back so far, maybe they can uh, hold the Cougars on the ground a little bit better than they did last year where Tyler Algier ran wild for 200-plus yards and pretty much ran away with that game. Yeah, it's uh, – look, this is a rivalry game, and, like, there's a – Vegas has BYU as a 24.5-point favorite right now. ESPN FPI has BYU heavily favored, 95.2% chance of winning uh, all those things but shoot this game uh it's not necessarily anything can happen like the BYU Utah game which has typically been one score uh you know a three-point loss a one-point loss a seven-point loss what have you but things can get really icky really dirty really uh uh awry in this game quickly and uh so this uh one of the things let me throw this at you um, Cooper Legat, you know, what's going on with him, and why hasn't he seen a whole lot of playing time? It's a guy that I think BYU fans kept an eye on in high school as he was a Utah County prospect, a Utah County product. Uh, I think he had a PWO to BYU, ends up at Utah State on scholarship. Why hasn't uh, the coaching staff believed in him and given him a little bit more love? You know, I don't think you're the only person to ask that question. That's a lot of people are asking Blake Anderson, and he said prior to, like Anderson said, prior to the UNLV game, 
hey, Logan Bonner is on a really short lease. And then he threw in five interceptions in that game, and what happened? He stayed in, right? And so people are scratching their heads a little bit. I think part of it is um, just the belief in Logan Bonner runs so deep for Blake Anderson and his coaching staff. Blake Anderson recruited Logan Bonner to Arkansas State back in 2016. They've been together for a long time. And so I think he really believes in Bonner's ability. That being said, when you're not producing as needed, when some things aren't coming together the way that you want them to, sometimes you got to make a change. And that's what some people are calling for. They're saying that Super Lega had a chance in Paul Camp to win the job and Logan Bonner beat him out. What I think is whether or not Cooper or Logan is the better passer, at some point, if the offense isn't working, you need to make a change. And beat up and his status for tomorrow is uncertain in that regard. But will Cooper Legon make the start because he will beat Bonner out for 2v1? I, I don't know the answer to that. The one thing that I would put out there the offense, you got to throw another variable in there, right? And so, in the UNLV game, they had Bonner keep the ball and scramble on a few times. And the way UNLV, the defense was approaching it, is they were just rushing three guys and dropping them. And so, open passing lanes, it was difficult, and the run game wasn't working very well either. And when you have that extra variable, you can maybe pick up some yards, you know, catch them off guard. And there was one play in the second quarter Bonner kept the ball, take the hand off to Tyler, went right. The entire Rebels defense followed Tyler Green except for one guy. He just needed to be one guy, and Logan Bonner could have a 20-yard game, minimum. And he gets tackled for a, a one-yard game. And watching that play, watching the film of it, I'm thinking, I think Cooper Legar in full camp in spring ball, I know how he can run. And even the third finger, Levi Williams, if this is their answer to changing the offense, is throwing that extra running variable in it, just put in a guy that can actually run the ball effectively. That's, that's just my thought process. And so I don't know if we will see that tomorrow night. I think that Aggie stands not a slight against Bonner, just desperation for improvement, especially playing the hated rival. They would love to see Legar in there just to see if they can switch something up. Yeah, I, I think I get, a, I get a feeling, gee, man, I don't know about you, but I feel like Cooper Legar is going to get a shot here. Wouldn't yeah. that be like, uh, I mean, if you want to inject a little bit of energy into you, you know, I would say that's the right move. Um, I didn't ask Riley Jensen that question yesterday, but uh, I would say if I'm Coach Anderson, you got to find something, and maybe that could be the answer. At least give it a whirl type of thing. It's like BYU was trying to find a run game. All right, let's 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 see what Miles can do. And he... He scorched Wyoming. Scorched him. Yeah, Ten yards well. per carry. So find out, man. Sometimes a little motivation, a little. What do you have to lose? Yeah. What do you have to lose? You're a 24 and a half point dog right now. At, at in an away setting, if if one man can can maybe uh, turn the tide, maybe it's Lega who on his first attempt in college football threw a touchdown pass. It was like a 70 yard bomb. I remember that. I was like, man, Coop. Looking good, man. He's got some swagger to him as well, and he can run the football a little bit. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean, it would it would also be an awesome story for 
if he did get an opportunity tomorrow because he's an Orem High grad. He was proven the coolest quarterback in high school. Yeah. And he's a dude that's got a ton of family, ton of support down there. It would make for a, a really exciting narrative tomorrow. Similar to maybe Riley Nelson, obviously, that's different because he transferred from Utah State and came to BYU. But same in the sense that a hometown guy of the opposing team coming in and providing a spark in a game, yeah, that's something to watch out for. Is that going to happen? Teacher say, but it would certainly uh, it would certainly make Thursday night more interesting. Why is it that uh, quarterbacks get injured in this game so often, or like get benched <laughs> in this game? 2011 for BYU side of things, Heaps gets benched for Nelson. Taysom Hill gets injured in 2012. 2013, thank goodness, no injuries or depth chart issues. 2014, Taysom breaks a fibula. 2015, no injury to Mangum. He, he lasts. 2016, Taysom injures the elbow. 17, Hodge is injured. Detmer is replaced. Uh, 2018, Hangum, and Mangum gets benched. Wilson replaces him and starts the following week versus Hawaii. In 2019, uh, Jared Hall gets a concussion. Baylor Romney replaces him. 2020, in a COVID year, everyone's got COVID. We don't play that game. 2021, Baylor Romney concussion. Jacob Conover takes over. And I think Chucky Keaton got injured. Uh, Last year, Logan Bonner gets injured. Um, I I don't know. I'm trying to. What's going on? What what, what about the Utah? Have there been any other quarterback injuries since 2011 or benchings since since 2011 to present day in this game? I just gave you the BYU side of things. Definitely on the Utah State side, the most notable was 2013, where I believe it was 2013 when Chucky T. had a season ending knee injury in this game, and that's what Adam Bengal yep. points to the most. But definitely, it's been a, a really unfortunate turn of events, especially for for BYU. And I, I don't really, I, I don't have an answer for y'all better than than you could come up with. But there's something about maybe that this game always sneaks up on. On BYU, obviously Utah State has it circled around their calendar, but it's usually a Friday or a Thursday night, middle of the season, so there's a little bit of wear and tear, but then there's all that emotion and energy, and Utah State, they don't play dirty, but they're going out there, and they are playing with a lot of emotion, and they are playing as hard as they can, and with that, collisions happen, and I just, I it's, it's crazy. It's, it's unfortunate to see all these quarterbacks go down, and hopefully it doesn't happen tomorrow, but it's just one of those caveats of this game that always make it wild. That along with turnovers, it seems like every year one side just seems to turn over the ball a trillion times. In 2017, BYU turned it over seven times. Utah State turned it over, I believe, five times in 2019. And so always something wild happens. It's never necessarily, for the most part, this game doesn't go down to the final possession or the final score, but something's always unexpected happens, and much to the detriment of one team or the other. Yeah, it's just, it's not good. Uh, we appreciate you hopping on to give us some of your your content. What do you think uh, the score will be? What do you think? How do you think this game plays out in Provo? Well, I mean, this is uh, this might be the season for for Utah State because obviously they they got the conference. They have a chance maybe to compete on paper still. But in terms of trying to save the season from the goes that that it's taking, making a stand in this game would be that statement. But I know as well as you guys do, just that it's hard to see that happen. It's hard to see where Utah State's going to get their offensive production, especially against such a stingy BYU defense. And on the flip side, 
Jaron Hall doesn't turn over the ball. Gunnar Romney is coming back. I don't know how the Yaggies are going to shut down the offense either. And so I think Utah State does cover because I think it's such a wide spread. But my final school prediction, I got BYU 34, Utah State 17 tomorrow in Pro there you go. That's the score, uh, and he's sticking to it. Appreciate you hopping on today, Jacob Nielsen. Jacob, how do we follow you? How do we consume your content, brother? Yeah, give me a follow on Twitter, at Jacob Nielsen 12, and then at KSL.com, KSL Sports, the Utah State beat writer. And so throw, just throw all your clicks that way. And, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you guys. And uh, should, uh, should be a good game tomorrow. Hopefully everyone stays healthy and uh the last one in the series so let's uh let's make it count let's make it memorable all right let's make it memorable hopefully no injuries can we just handshake no injuries please for the love of all it's all appreciate jacob nelson uh nielsen uh appreciate you great stuff as always uh g-man any thoughts staying healthy i you assume it's a covid thing it's not a covid thing for BYU. you it's uh physical injuries right uh does BYU get hurt more than other teams? I I, I met with a I, I hung out with a bunch of guys and all of them asked me and they were se- earnestly seeking. It's like why does BYU get hurt more than other teams? And we adjust. I don't know if it's they get. I, yeah, I, I don't either. Teams. But but that's the kind of the perception a lot of BYU fans have, hmm. and hopefully that's done away with. Man, I'd like to see a clean game. There's too many guys going down for this BYU team already. Uh, you're seeing too many defensive line injuries. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a bit worried about that. Uh, Josh Larson, sure, he's not a standout guy. He's not a frontline guy. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to see that depth any more impacted than it has been. I mean, Gabe Summers has already had injury issues. Mm-hmm. There's at least four guys that I can think of off the top of my head. Earl Tui, O.T. Mariner, and then Tyler Batty's a huge injury. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem. And we all know about Atenaiza Mahe. Stop getting injured, guys. Stop it. <laughs> it's it's the position that you don't want to see a lot of attrition. You want yeah. to see guys rotate in because BYU doesn't really have that stalwart D tackle, that that Kyrus Tonga type. So you need a plethora of guys. You need an active rotation. You need guys to stay healthy. And, man, I, I just don't like to see that. You especially don't want to see it. Looking forward to Notre Dame. I know. I know fans. Are, I don't can't overlook Utah. I can overlook Utah State. You can. I am looking over. I, I'm overlooking Utah State. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't matter, guys. But um, just don't get hurt. I want to see a full complement with when BYU matches up against Notre Dame, Las Vegas. All right, we're going to go to break. Coming up next, uh, continuing, uh, read between the lines uh, and getting to know the foe. Uh, we'll read between the lines. Blake Anderson joined uh, or went in front of the media earlier this week and opined on all things related to, hey, you can't eat. We're still live. You can't, you can't eat the. Oh, I'm eating. <laughs> you can't Stop eat. it. <laughs> Blake Anderson, head coach, Utah State, uh, addressed the media earlier this week and uh, we'll read between the lines how impressive had jaron hall been for byu this season what do you see in this byu defense that could cause problems for your team and much more we're live from chubby's cafe chubby's cafe ut.com we'd love to see you we're at the university mall location 1087 south 750 east that's 1087 south 750 east orem utah uh and we're giving away some chubby's cafe hats and also scones if you purchase an entree here at Chubby's Cafe. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 960.